It's time for CBJ in 30, presented by Telhio Credit Union. Find us on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, YouTube, and TuneIn. The easiest thing to do is tell Alexa or Siri to play CBJ in 30. Here's your host, Bob McGilligan. Welcome to another edition of CBJ and 30 presented by Telhio Credit Union. What a win for the Blue Jackets last night. What a much needed win for the Blue Jackets last night. What a gutsy win for the Blue Jackets last night in Carolina. They beat the Hurricanes by the score of three to two. Seth Jones with two goals in the game. He finished what he started. He got the first goal of the game, put the Blue Jackets up one to nothing. He got the final goal of the game in overtime. Good to see Seth playing like Seth. But to me, Seth Jones wasn't the star of that game. Who was? I think you know, but I'll tell you in just a minute, right after I tell you about the fine folks at Telhio Credit Union. You know, in 1934, that's when they started putting people above profit. That's when they started making their customers the most important people that walk through the doors, because that is the most important that comes through the door, is the customer. Am I right? Of course I'm right. But they started that back in 1934. They continue that to today. It's in their DNA. It's what they do. They don't even think about it. They just do it. And maybe Telhio Credit Union is not where you have your money. But maybe you should take a look and see if that's the place where you need to put it. You want to get the answers to questions, just go to their website at telhio.org. Surf around, click on the tabs. They'll tell you the services that they provide, the perks that they have with those services, why Joining a credit union gives you an advantage over a regular bank. All of that. It's right there. If you can't find what you're looking for, there's a a live chat option on the right-hand side of the screen. You can click during business hours, and somebody will pop up on the screen to help you through it. So why put your money in a regular bank when you could put it in a credit union that will put you above everything else? That's the only question. Telhio Credit Union. Find them on the web at telhio.org. So, yes, Seth Jones had two goals last night. And yes, Seth Jones was a driving factor in the Blue Jackets winning that game. But the key factor to winning that game was between the pipes. It was Jonas Corposalo for the Blue Jackets last night. Changed my mind, as it says, right? Like when you go on social media and you see people. I like the people that go out and they set up a table somewhere and they put something that could be borderline ridiculous on a banner on the front of the table and says, change my mind. So, Jonas Corposalo won that game for the Blue Jackets. Changed my mind. You can't. He was fantastic again last night. Another save of the year candidate. But that one that he made last night was so important because at that point, Carolina had taken the lead. Blue Jackets get the first goal. Carolina ties the game at one. Blue Jackets take an egregious penalty. You know what that means? It means dumb. Trip a guy coming right through the neutral zone. Stefan Mateau getting a chance to play in his second game of the year. I didn't know if he was going to touch the ice after that penalty. He did, and he did a good job. In all fairness, he did do a good job. So um, power play goal, Sebastian Ajo winds up with the first two goals. Well, the only two goals, as it turned out, for the Carolina Hurricanes. And then Corpusalo makes the save. Dives to his right, just gets the blade of his stick on the shot stops it from going in the net at that point it would have been three to one and at that point the blue jackets really would have been having to dig out of a hole 
a big hole against a team like Carolina in their building, a team that had just won eight of its last nine. They were looking to get themselves back on track and they would have felt really good about themselves because look in the first period, they didn't play well. The blue jackets took advantage of that. They score in the first minute of the second period. And then the momentum is all going their way. Now they take a two to one lead, Boy, they're steamrolling. And then Corpus makes that save. I thought that that stopped a lot of it right then, right there. So he makes a save. It's still a one goal game. Later, Blue Jackets have a power play. Just as it's expiring, Kevin Stenland gets a, a fantastic pass from Max Domi. Come on, let's be honest. Max continuing to find the open guy with great passes. Finds Stenland, boom, Stenland scores 2-2 game. That's what eventually forces overtime. But Corpus Salo, and Jean-Luc Grandpierre said this on the postgame show last night on Fox, and he's absolutely right. When you look at the body of work, 25 saves, 27 shots. You look at the body of work and it's like, oh, okay, well, that's probably a normal night for a goaltender in the NHL. But if you go back and you break down the shots that he stopped, the 25 saves, and look at how many of those were above average shots, high danger areas, as the analytics people say, tough saves, not shots from the outside, catch it, blocker it away, not, not much of that. When he was blockering shots away, it was like an overtime when uh, Martin Natchez was coming in on him and he fired that one off the blocker pad. Uh, or the other one where, was it Slavin, tipped the puck in front and he caught it right above his pad in overtime. Go back and look at the saves, the 25 saves. And I will bet you, I will bet you that 17 might be high, but but I'll bet it's close 14 to 17 of those. I'll bet you are high quality shots by the Carolina hurricanes. So he was outstanding and he sets the tone. Listen, the goaltender always sets the tone. Believe what you want, but that's the truth. If you know your goalie's locked in, you know, you can make mistakes. You know, you can take risks. He was locked in. He did a great job. They win the game. So Corpus Allo is my number one. Seth Jones, easily my number two. And Kevin Stenland, my number three. Screw Sebastian Ajo. I don't work for that team, so I don't count them. <laughs> but anyway, um, but it was a really good win. I mean, to pick up those two points, and then the Blue Jackets get some help from the Tampa Bay Lightning. They beat Chicago, and now the gap closes. Now the Blue Jackets are much closer to that final playoff spot in the division. And Carolina, they started the night 12 points ahead of the Blue Jackets. So what now they, you know, they got a point by going to overtime. You're not looking to catch them right now. You're looking to catch Chicago. If you can catch Chicago, then you look at who's ahead of Chicago, right? And listen, you're only a streak away from jumping right back into the thick of all of this. As I said to John Tortorella yesterday, and I wasn't lying. You look at the calendar. This is the time of the year his teams come to life. Look at the last two years. It was a late season Western Canadian road swing that got the Blue Jackets back in it. The same thing could be developing. Listen, the only difference this year is that the middle of March, you still have another month and a half to play. Unlike normal year when you still have two to three weeks left to play. That's the only difference. 
the days on the calendar are the same. The relation in the schedule is different, but who cares? As long as they operate by the days on the calendar, if that's the way their DNA is programmed for the core group here, fine. Oh, hey, guys, it's St. Patrick's Day. We should probably turn it on. I don't know if that's what's happening. I hope it is what's happening. But I'll tell you this, they're just playing better. That first period was outstanding. And again, the second period wasn't so much, but they came back again in the, the third and and they got the win. They got the points they needed. And they got a win in the first game, excuse me, first game of a four-game series against the Hurricanes. That was important. I think it was tremendously important to do what they did last night. So kudos to the Blue Jackets for the job they did. They have another job to do tomorrow and then on Monday and on Wednesday next week. So uh, we'll see. We'll see how it goes from here. But they can feel good about themselves today. They can enjoy today because they earned those points that they got last night. All right. Let's move along to some other things. Lots of stuff going on in the league. And... Two days ago, the Buffalo Sabres fired their coach, Ralph Kruger. Yes, another coach bites the dust in Buffalo. Whenever there's anything going on in Buffalo or anything interesting going on in the league, oh, heck, maybe anything interesting going on in the sporting world. I know a guy that I can reach out to and I can bring on the show, and he's going to be full of information on whatever the subject is, and he's going to be open and honest and non-biased, And that guy is Mike Harrington of the Buffalo News. And by the way, as a disclaimer, I've got to tell you, when I did this interview with Mike, I didn't have my settings correct. And so I'm not going to sound very good. He's going to sound better than I do on this one. But uh, I apologize in advance for that. But I didn't have my microphone plugged in. I set up my computer and I forgot to plug the microphone in. So I just want to let you know that before it begins. But here he is from the Buffalo News, Mike Harrington. Hey, Mike, before we really get into this, I've got to ask you, does this seem like a 31-team league to you this year? Because I find myself just concentrating on everything going on in the Central Division. It's it's an eight-team league. I mean, to talk to you about the Sabres is like refreshing to talk about something in a different division. And remember that there are other teams in this league outside the Central Division. Do you feel like that? You know what, Bobby? I am so sick of the Canadian division. The North Division. Remember, we live in Buffalo. All we hear about and watch TV and watch the Toronto and Sportsnet TSN is the Canadian Division, the Canadian Division. You're right. It seems like everything's a different league. I'm used to my entire life. Every Leafs and Montreal game is important to the Sabres. They've been in their division for 50 years. Now, all of a sudden, if the Leafs are playing Edmonton, I'd be locked into that game. I don't know. I got to watch the Islanders and the Rangers. I got to watch Philly and Pittsburgh and like really care because that's all that matters is those teams. It is the strangest season ever. Now, of course, the way things have gone, the standings don't matter anymore. Maybe I can watch the Leafs in Edmonton, but uh, yeah, it's just weird. And hey, everyone in Canada, shut up about the Canadian division. We're not keeping it. (laughs) Right. And I've got to ask you this about the Canadian division. I'm glad you brought this up because I feel, look, when you look at it, uh, Toronto is good, Winnipeg's good, Montreal's good. There you go, right? I mean, pretty much. Right. Uh, I, I can't wait to see what happens when one of those teams finally gets into the semifinals because I don't necessarily think that that's a strong division. I, I think that when whoever comes out of there, 
may run into a buzzsaw when they have to play a team from the States. That That's what no. I think. Maybe that changes. What do you think? No, it's, they're not going to run into a buzzsaw. They're going to run into a team that plays physical hockey. The Leafs haven't played any physical hockey all year. Now, the one team I think that could do something out of that division is the Winnipeg Jets. They are built better than most of those teams. They have down the middle strength. They have decent defense. They have great goaltending and Connor Hell, but they could survive. I think the Leafs are going to end up in a series with Vegas, Boston, the Islanders, whoever they do. And I think the Leafs are going to get hammered in whatever semifinal series they get because they will have not played any heavy hockey all year. Well, that always makes for good discussion in the NHL anyway, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, a lot of the Canadian media is just going berserk about it. I am really sick of hearing and reading about it, and I can't wait for the divisions to go back to the way they need to be next year. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Well, I semi-agree with you on that, Mike, because if they go back to the way they were, that means the Sabres come back into the spot the Blue Jackets have, and the Blue Jackets have to go back into that Metropolitan Division. And I told you this a long time ago, and we talked before the season started, that I was just okay with not seeing Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, Washington, Rangers, Islanders all year long. And I stick to that right now. Even though the Blue Jackets have struggled, I still stick to not missing those teams because if they were in that division, they'd really be struggling. Well, and I think the Buffalo Sabres are a terrible team. We all know that. But they got the worst shake in the NHL for realignment. No games against Ottawa, Detroit. You know, they've done very well in the past against the Leafs in Montreal. And all of a sudden, it's every night. The Capitals, the Islanders, the Flyers, the Penguins, it's still the Bruins. The Sabres really got a tough shake in realignment. I also remember when you and I talked before, Taylor Hall was coming there. Uh, course they went out and they traded to get Eric Stahl I mean there there looked to be some positive things going into the season and of course the bottom has fallen out of it after last night it's 13 games in a row winless for the Sabres a couple days ago Ralph Kruger was fired as the head coach Uh, I know you've been right in the thick of it I've read your stuff all the way along Uh, how surprised are you that it is this bad at this point you know, I did not expect a playoff team. I don't think anybody did. We did not expect feeble performances. We did not expect the complete lack of offense, the complete lack of compete level from this club. This club simply has not performed in any way, shape, or form. There are underachievers all over the place. I even, Bobby Mack, I brought a prop for you, okay? Here is the Buffalo News from the day Kruger got fired, okay? And this really capsulizes it. I don't write headlines just for the record. But this capsulizes it very well. The Buffalo coach killers got another one. Ralph Kruger succumbed to the coach killers. Yes, Ralph Kruger was not a good enough coach. These players have been a joke. The level of compete is non-existent. The Boston Bruins last night had a scrimmage. They had a scrimmage with the new coach. You would think the new coach would give you a little juice, but they had COVID issues. They didn't have a meeting. Okay, I get all that. You can't go out and compete in a game. The Boston Bruins... We're laughing last night. It was a scrimmage. You talk about the new coach. I'm kind of pulling for him, Don Granado, because he's got Columbus ties. He was the coach of the Columbus Chill back in the days of the East Coast Hockey League here. Um, of course, the he's chill. a seat filler. The chill reference. The chill, that's right. Um, I, I know he's a seat filler, and there are uh, a lot of other things to do. I was talking with Jody Shelley the other day, and he was really excited about a former teammate of his being on the bench now, and uh, Dan Girardi is on the bench, right. and Matt Ellis is another guy that they brought in, another former NHL player. Um, what do you see with the dynamics of that, especially getting some of these guys, like a Girardi, he's, he's recently retired, and now here he is behind the bench. Uh, what's the dynamics of that like? You know, Girardi 
retired from Tampa after his long career at the Rangers. He was player in 2019. So they think he can relate to these guys a little more. Rasmus Dahlin is just a disaster. He's minus 135 or something. Uh, he is last in the league. I think it's 28. Uh, Girardi's not on the bench yet. He's got to do quarantine intake. So he will come on the bench in a few days. And I think that'll help them, a, a more modern player back there. Uh, Matt Ellis has been their development coach. He's going to be there. They need more eyes in this organization. They need more people looking at players, evaluating players. And that's kind of what they're doing here. And the other thing, you know, Donnie Granado's the interim coach. That doesn't have to be for the rest of the season. You know, if they get a Kevin Adams said the search is on. I mean, there's, you know, Nate Lehman in Providence certainly is a guy people have their name attached to. And what happens if Providence doesn't make the NCAA tournament? They could be done after the brackets come out this weekend, you know. So, do the Buffalo Sabers make a move right now? I don't know. Maybe you might want to give somebody a head start, whether it's him. And I don't. I just don't see them paying for a Bruce Boudreau, Gerard Gallant type. I don't see them paying for um, John Tortorella, who would probably love the Buffalo Sabers job. Just for the record, uh, the other thing is I'm not sure he's a great fit here if they're going to go real young. So, you know. The coaching staff, they just fired the coach and named an interim. I think things are still very fluid here. When you talk about, and that's what everybody talks about when a coach's vacancy occurs, is Bruce Boudreau, Gerard Gallant, guys that have been, you know, head coaches in other places. For guys like that, how desirable do you think the Buffalo Sabres job is right now? I mean, this is a full-on rebuild, is it not? Boy. Again, you know, for about the 10th time. Here's the thing. I don't think it's a very desirable job. And, you know, and then you have people like Elliot Friedman who correctly make the point, well, there's only 32 of them. I get that. There's going to be better ones coming over this offseason. Now, the other problem is I don't think the Buffalo Sabres are in the market anymore to pay four or five or six million dollars for a coach. And if you're Bruce, Bruce Boudreaux, as much as you might want the Buffalo job, don't you want five years? You're not taking a three-year contract here. You're just going to get fired, you know. But you're going to want a five-year contract. I don't think Terry and Kim Pagula, the owners here, can stomach a five-year contract for coaches of big money. So I think they're going to go younger, cheaper, college coach, first-timer, which isn't what they need, but that's what they're going to do. So I think these experienced guys, as much as Boudreaux might want it, isn't Nashville a better job? You know, what if New York comes open? What if Tom Fitzgerald says, you know what, maybe Lindy Ruff wasn't the greatest idea. So what if the Devils come open? Who knows who else might come open? Aren't they all going to be better jobs than the Buffalo Sabres right now, especially if you're really considering trading Jack Eichel and Sam Reinhart, which they might be? I mean, I think right now it's a disastrous job. I don't know why any experienced guy would take it. You bring up Jack Eichel, and I just wanted to ask you this question flat out. What's wrong with that guy? And I, what I mean is he's a star player. He, he was taken after Connor McDavid. Those kind of players are supposed to be able to make an impact. You're supposed to be able to build around those kind of players. And yet here they are still muddling along with him. And I know he's hurt right now, but, but why hasn't he been able to make that team better? Having him as a star attraction, being able to put pieces around him, his own individual play. What's gone on there? All right. Well, last year he had, I think, 36 goals. He was a top 10 player in the league much of the year. That Jack Eichel you can win with if you build around him. Jack Eichel isn't responsible for the fact they traded Ryan O'Reilly for a bag of pucks. 
for five bags of pucks, actually, maybe four. They still have a first round pick at Minnesota from that deal. So that's not Jack Eichel's fault. Um, he's played pretty well for good chunks of his career. They haven't built around him real well. Um, you know, leadership skills come and go. And then this year, Jack's got two goals. Now, if he doesn't come back, that means he got $5 million a goal. Um, but he did a lot of things when he was here. Uh, the power play was in the top five in the league all year until he got hurt and left. And, and let's be honest here, Bobby. Injury training camp. So we missed start of training camp. Injury during the season twice that we saw. You know, you don't see every injury. We literally saw two injuries on the ice that we know of. A foot injury and a neck problem. You know, and the guy's shooting percentage, 3.3, I think it was. I mean, the puck wasn't going in. It's one of those years. Um, in terms of the locker room leadership, there's just not a lot of leadership in this club. Veterans come in. We've seen it before. Brian Gianta, Josh Georges. You know, we've seen it this year now. Kyle Ocpozo, Eric Stahl. The veterans can't come in and lead if they don't play well. Kyle Ocpozo scored his first goal in more than a year last night. Not more than a week, more than a year. Eric Stahl hasn't scored a goal in 20 games. He can't lead if he can't play. It's a real problem here. They needed veterans in here to come in and help Jack a little. No one ever comes in here and plays. They all get saberized, you know, and it's just, it's a disaster. And don't forget about Jeff Skinner, who's got two goals and it took him a year to score and he's making 9 million a year. Yeah. But he's not a leader either. No, <laughs> but just another guy who took a year without a goal. But again, Hey, 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 that's everything's Kruger's fault around here. Everything's the coach's <laughs> fault. It's never the player's fault. And what, what do I come back to? The coach killers. Okay. <laughs> it's the players, people. It's the players. Now, when there is talk about trading Jack Eichel, and listen, I'm coming to you from being with a team that is starved for centermen. I mean, at the beginning of the year, we thought that situation figured itself out. And no. there's only one of the four guys left that's <laughs> still playing the position right now. So that being said, isn't it dangerous when you talk about trading Eichel, like to, to trade a centerman, a number one centerman, literally, uh, how dangerous do you think that is? Well, they traded the number two center, Ryan O'Reilly, and he became the Con Smythe winner and got Jason Botterill fired as the only GM in right. history. And, that's what I mean. and you're still talking about it. There's sure. still a lot of complaints about it, right? Four years later, three years later, you know, and Botterill's the only GM in history to trade a guy who became the Con Smythe winner the next year. But here's the thing about Eichel. They threw a year and a half to get him. Now they were trying to get Connor McDavid. They got Eichel. So after throwing a year and a half of the, your franchise's history in the garbage can intentionally, six years later, you're just going to chuck the whole thing? Really? You're just going to chuck the whole thing. Now, if the guy says, I want out, if the guy is like Pierre-Luc Dubois, I want out, then you're kind of stuck. But you know what? Then you have to do it now because his no trade kicks in. And once the no trade kicks in next year, you don't have the leverage. You can get all 31 teams involved in it now. Next year, Eichel can say, I'm not going to Winnipeg. I'm not going to Columbus. I'm not going to Anaheim. I'm not going to Dallas. I'm not going wherever he doesn't want to go. You know, he can't do that now. So they may have no choice. If he wants out, they're going to have to do it this offseason. And the former Blue Jacket Kevin Adams is uh, in the GM's chair there. Inexperienced general manager, no doubt about that. He's <laughs> inherited this mess, and, and now he's got to deal with this mess. Um, I don't, I don't want this to sound the wrong way, but is he prepared to do this? No. I don't want it to sound wrong either. That is the way. No, he's not prepared to do it. He's a rookie GM, and that's okay. People are rookie GMs all the time. 
and they have a president of hockey or they have assistant GMs. What is this organization doing? Is this even an organization anymore? You know, I don't know. I don't know what they're doing. So we haven't seen how Adams is going to handle a trade deadline. Obviously, he should have done something by now. How many columns am I going to write saying do something? After last night's no-show, how does someone not go on waivers today? How does their trade not made today? You know, are they really going to sit and wait till April 11th? You know, I mean, he made some nice off-season moves, I thought. You know, draft, we'll find out about the draft. Who knows? But, yeah, I mean, if you're going to hire your first-time rookie GM from the guy down the hall, which is what Terry and Kim Pagula did, how do you have no one else around him? I mean, this organization needs to rebuild itself. He finally said, Adams, at his press conference the other day, he's going to hire an assistant GM. That's a good move. He needs people around him. Terry, or, yeah, Terry and Kim Pagula, the owners of the Sabres, how much trouble would they really be in with the public in the city of Buffalo if they hadn't bought the bills and had the bills in an upward direction right now? Sure. The bills are saving them right now. You know, and the thing is, people ask all the time and people, some, a lot of them from out of town, well, how can the bills be where they are and the Sabres be where they are? Well, it's very simple, really. They got lucky with the bills. The bills were a train wreck too. They had Rex Ryan, they fired him. They were firing coaches. They hired Sean McDermott. And Sean McDermott, as the first-time coach, turned out, he brought in Brandon Bean, the GM from Carolina. And the NFL model is the coach really is the dynamic personality here. That's what they tried to do with the Sabres. They tried to make Ralph Kruger the dominant personality. You can't make the coach the dominant personality on a hockey team most of the time. The GM still runs things. The coach is the front-facing person in hockey. The GM is still running the show. I mean, okay. I was going to say here that the coach is pretty much the front guy, but yes, Yarmo Kekalainen still does run the show. Right. right. The coach is the front-facing guy. Everyone thinks of John Tortorella. Yarmo Kekalainen is running the Blue Jackets. You know, Lou Lamorello is running the Islanders, not Barry Trotz. In football, it's the other way around. Well, they tried to do it that way here in hockey with a guy who hadn't been in the NHL since 2013. It didn't work. So now they've got to figure out, can Adams take over? Adams, it sounds like, is taking over. Now, that's what they need to have happen here and see what happens. So as it gets to the trade deadline coming up here in the second week of April, uh, how many guys do you think are still going to be on that team the day after the trade deadline? I'm talking big name guys. Look, there there are guys that playoff teams are going to covet. I, I don't care how many goals Eric Stahl has. Sure. If, if you're a playoff team and you want that experience and that leadership, you're going to trade to get that guy. Taylor Hall's on a one-year deal. He went there for Ralph Kruger. Kruger's now gone. Right. Uh, is, is that a piece that they move? What do you think? Well, I think the first thing is they should be trading now anyway, right away. They shouldn't wait for the deadline. But the other thing is if a Canadian team wants a guy, he's going to have to quarantine for two weeks. So you might have to start trading now. You guys know all about that. The deal with Winnipeg, how Dubois sat. Um, Stahl is going to go. Paul will wave his no move and he'll go. And then we'll see what else happens. Does a guy like Brandon Montour on defense go? You know, what do they do? Do they surprise us at all? Do they make a move with a big move with Reinhardt? Do they make a big move with a guy like Ristolainen who has a year left on his deal with somebody would want and probably give up something for I think anything is possible here, except there won't be an Eichel trade now because I'm not even sure Eichel's going to come back and play this season with his injuries. Eichel is a trade you do in the off season. 
I think almost anybody else is possible. I think they should get rid of five or six or seven of these guys. How many they will, I don't know. But there's guys out there. There's no question that contenders will want Eric Stahl in their dressing room. And they think the fact he hasn't scored a goal in 20 games is because this operation disaster will be fine if we get him in our locker room. Same with Taylor Hall. We'll be fine if we get him in our locker room. And I think the Islanders really need Taylor Hall probably in the wake of the season-ending injury to Anders Lee. So there'll be a lot of activity with the Buffalo Sabres, and there'll be some different guys in here come April 13th. What's going on in the American Hockey League in Rochester? Is there any hope there? Well, they have some good prospects there, but they're in quarantine. <laughs> Everything goes wrong for the Buffalo Sabres this year. They have the only farm team in quarantine right now. Yeah, the Amherst had a COVID outbreak. They had three players test positive. So they haven't played a game in about a week. They just, I think, are going to start practicing today. Um, so you couldn't even inject some new energy in the Sabres situation. There are guys to call up. You can't call any of them up. They're all in quarantine. Welcome to the world of the Buffalo Sabres in 2021. You know, so that they're stuck there. They have a few prospects I'd like to see. I think they'd like to see them. They can't call them up right now. I would suggest no one in the organization goes out to the casino at Niagara because it's that'd be a complete waste of time right now, right? Yeah, they'd be they'd be they'd be flushing their quarters in those <laughs> slot machines. Let me tell you, there's no way anybody's winning anything in this organization. Hey, whatever happened to Chris Taylor, who coached the, the Amherst last year? And uh, I thought he was kind of an up-and-coming guy. You're talking about young coaches. Why is he no longer in the organization? Because they fired him. They fired him. when They, they fired 22 people the day Adams took over. Brian Burke famously said on Sportsnet, you know, the first thing Adams had to do was go ruin 22 lives. I could walk right past that job. You know, they fired Chris Taylor. He didn't really jive with Ralph Kruger. Um, and you know what they said, what's the big deal? We're not going to need a head coach. You're not going to keep Chris Taylor thinking, well, if we fire Kruger, we have Chris Taylor. No one ever considered they were firing Kruger this year. And I mean, they were four, four and three until their COVID break. This wasn't on the radar at all. So they let Chris Kruger go. They went cheap. They hired Seth Apper, a first time pro coach to be in Rochester. They're all right so far. And Taylor went and he's an assistant with Lindy Ruff in New Jersey. Well, if this had fallen apart like this, if you knew it was going to do that, you'd have just fired Kruger and hired Chris Taylor. So they lose another opportunity to have a ready-made coach who'd been in the organization. All right, so let me ask you this. Was the beef between Kruger and Taylor and Adams just went along with it? Or well, I guess what I'm really saying is, is there any way that he could be considered, being an NHL assistant now, is there any way he could be considered for that job? Would they take him back, in your opinion? No, because I think he was a Jason Botterill guy. You know, he's not going to come back and work with Kevin Adams, who fired him. You know, the owners cut, 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 cut. And Taylor was one of the cuts. And, you know, and he ended up on an NHL bench anyway. But no, Taylor, they didn't do Taylor well. Taylor was a good soldier here and probably should be in the job right now. But they just never. And I get it. Who in a million years thought they were firing Ralph Kruger this year? No, they weren't going to win a lot, but they weren't going to be utterly feeble. And no one thought they'd fire Ralph Kruger. So it wasn't on their radar. So who cares if we let Chris Taylor go? He doesn't have a job here anyway. He's just going to be in Rochester. And look what happened. Yeah. And, and I ask about him, to be honest with you, because I remember him as a player in Rochester in the American Hockey League. And I always respected sure. the way he played. I mean, I, I hated it because I was in Syracuse and it was the biggest rival. <laughs> and every time we got beat by them, it was the end of the world. It was probably the same the other way around. But I always respected him as a, as a player. And I know he had some success there as a coach. 
Yeah, you know, he had a lot of success to coach. The players like playing for him. I think there was a little bit, and we see this, you know, you and I saw this in our time in AAA baseball. Sometimes managers played guys to win games and the parent club wanted to see other guys. I think Chris Taylor played some guys to win games and the Sabres wanted to see other guys on the ice. Uh, and he didn't want to do that because he didn't feel it would be the best chance to win games. And I think there was some philosophical difference there. And I think that also played into you know, his dismissal as well. Wow. It sounds like a uh, novel concept. And I know what you mean. It, it's different world in the American hockey league, but boy, I'd like to have a guy that's trying to win games right now. All right. I want to ask you uh, two more things. One is uh, league related here. The deal with ESPN that was announced last week. Right. What do you think about that? And are you surprised that ESPN is back as the primary carrier of the national hockey league? I'm a little surprised ESPN got the prime package. Um, you know, I thought once ESPN went real big with the NBA, <coughs> excuse me, that the uh, NHL was done forever with them. You know, and it's been a long time. It's been 17 years, but I think it's a great move. You know, I want to see how the streaming component goes. That seems like a lot of exclusive games on a streaming product, 75 games. Let's we'll see how that goes. But you're going to get a lot more discussion on their shows, a lot more discussion on SportsCenter. You know, you're not going to get oversaturated with the NBA all the time. And ultimately, you need to be on ESPN. You know, NBC has done a pretty good job minus their studio show. You got to be on ESPN. Now, I really hope NBC, because they've done it for so long and they have a, you know, people are used to it and they have a real rhythm to how they do things. I hope they get the B package. You know, I don't know what's going to happen with the B package, whether it's going to be them or going to be Fox. But to me, ESPN and having some Stanley Cup finals with them is really going to be a big surge of interest for this league. All right, and the last thing I want to ask you about, completely off this hockey subject, because you have covered baseball for many, many years, and, and you follow the Buffalo Bisons in AAA. Is it still the International League? I don't know, because minor league baseball has been taken under the umbrella Triple of major a league baseball. East. Triple, Triple A East is what it is now? Yeah. So sad. Of course, I don't have to tell you, the International League office was here in Columbus. It was up in right. Dublin. Randy right. Mobley, the league president uh, for many, many, many years. Um what the heck is going on in baseball? I look around, I, I see teams, I see teams in leagues that I've never seen them before. I see teams in affiliated baseball that I've never seen before. And how has it affected the old international league, which of course the Columbus Clippers are a part of. Um, how's that whole thing affected everything? I know that you're my go-to guy when it comes to minor league baseball. Mike. <laughs> well, you know, there's 20 teams now in triple A East, you know, the, the, uh, the Jumbo Shrimp are in AAA East. The Jumbo Shrimp, Wait. look it up. The Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp are in AAA East. Oh, oh I thought that was like a post-game meal. No. Yeah, right. No. It's an actual Jumbo, team. It's an actual team. They're in AAA East, but the, everybody's just playing in their division this year. Like the Bisons have, I think, 30 games against Rochester and Syracuse, you know, because of travel constraints. We're going to see. That might wind up like hockey at the end of that, right? They're playing six oh my game God. series. Those could be hockey series. Yeah, 30 games against teams. But I think they're, they're doing a lot of tinkering with baseball right now. Tinkering isn't bad. But, you know, stupidity is what's bad. And there's a lot of stupidity in baseball right now. I think what we're seeing in the minor leagues this year, they're just trying to get a season running. So I'm not really going to obsess about what's right, what's wrong. Let's just get the gates open and get a season back after losing an entire year. And I really think we can start to hone in in 2022 on some of the things we really need to be doing here. They're just trying to get guys on the field. These parent clubs need their players playing. It's in hockey. They needed the American Hockey League running, even if it's only 432 games. 
And that's really what 2021 is all about. Get people back on the ice, back on the field. But yeah, there's a lot of change in baseball right now. What always has been will not always be. And I think we're just going to see in minor league baseball, and even the major leagues. Here's the big thing to look for this year. They've passed some new rules to the minors. They're making the bases bigger in AAA baseball. What? Bases, the bases are growing by three inches. And I think you'll see that in major league baseball. What will that do? That'll make for more stolen bases, more infield hits, more offense, more action. That's the theory behind it. The minor leagues basically are going to become a lab for a lot of rules to see how they work. The pitch clocks. And that's kind of what this is about. But the biggest thing, Bobby, let's get guys on the ice in the AHL. Let's get guys in the field in AAA baseball and try to get society back to normal. And that's a good way to start. And you don't even know if you're covering AAA baseball this summer or if the Toronto Blue Jays are coming back to Buffalo for a second summer, right? Yeah. I mean, the Blue Jays are in limbo. They're starting in Dunedin, Florida. They're limbo and starting May 14th. Are they going to be in Dunedin? Are they going to come to Buffalo? I don't think they're going to be able to go to Toronto. The border's still not open. Um, but they've already said if they come to Buffalo, the Bisons, they will relocate the Bisons somewhere. You cannot have both operating in the same stadium because of protocol. So the Bisons will have to play, I don't know, Rochester, Erie, Syracuse. I don't know what's going to happen to the AAA club, but they're going to relocate them. So, yeah, we could have – we had 26 games, the Blue Jays in Buffalo last year. We could have the Blue Jays in Buffalo, in theory, from May 14th all the way to October. I hope, you've been taking, I, I hope you've been taking notes and you're going to write a book about all this in a couple of years. Because I, to, because to me, you're one of those people that you go between both of the sports with the pandemic and the cancellations and the, the COVIDs that you're dealing with now with the Sabres and with all this baseball stuff. I mean, that, that is prime for you to make extra money writing a book. Well, you know what? You could say that, except when am I going to do it? I'm bouncing back between the two of them, and there's all this chaos all the time. When would I write the book? Oh, it's, five, it's five years out. It's five years out, so take good notes. Uh, you're not <laughs> kidding. Holy cow. <laughs> it has been a whirlwind in this city for the last year, and it has been everywhere, obviously, but we've had a lot of craziness in Buffalo a lot of other towns have not had. Well, just think how many people are bored. You are not one of them, my friend. I am not one of them. <laughs> not a not a bit thank you so much i always enjoy talking to you i know i get the straight scoop on the situation there in buffalo and uh you know great to talk about the league and get a little baseball in too so thank you mike i appreciate it always a pleasure bobby mack take care i told you we covered it all right hockey nhl sabers nhl tv deal minor league baseball toronto blue jays where they're going to play we covered it all you don't get that on just any show you just don't get all of that. So you're welcome. Okay. I'd like to thank Mike. If you want to follow him on Twitter, you can find him at by M Harrington, B Y M Harrington on Twitter. And it's worth it because his tweets, his tweets can be gold. I mean, when he is all surly during a game and whether he's making tweets about what's going on with the Sabres or what's going on in the league or responding to what somebody said to him. Those are the best, absolutely the best. So thanks to, to Mike for coming on today and talking with me. It's uh, always a pleasure. I enjoy it very much. So, you know, the Sabres, they're going in a direction that nobody wants to go in. Nobody. And, and every team does go in it. The question is, how do you pull yourself out of it? Right? Look, I mean, the Chicago Blackhawks, they won a couple of cups and then, you know, they were going in it. We talked about them being 
a rebuilding project before the season started. Are they? No, it doesn't seem that way. They're ahead of the Blue Jackets right now. They're without Jonathan Taze, their captain. Uh, Brent Seabrook retired. They've got young guys that are looking to make an impression. They still have Patrick Kane. That makes them legit every night. But they've got young players just playing hard and looking to make an impression. It's worked for them. So that's how they're getting out of their dip. The LA Kings, they won cups. Roster got old and had to move pieces, all of that. What are they doing? They've got young guys. They're coming up with prospects. And they're getting out of their dip. It's all how you get out of the dip. Other teams are going to go through it. Pittsburgh has been, you know, they're they're staying above water for now. It's going to change. Look, when Crosby and or Malkin is not there anymore, it's going to be completely different. And those guys are getting of age. They are. That's a fact. It's not Sid the kid, Sid the man. And, you know, someday he's not going to be playing there anymore. And then they're going to dip. How are they going to get out of that dip? You know, they just hired new management to try to figure that out, how they're going to to mitigate things once Latang, Crosby, Malkin, they're not there. Uh, who else? What, what other examples do you want? Tampa's going to go through it at some point. I mean, they, they got through their salary cap concerns this year by putting Kucherov on injured reserve. He's going to come back and play in the playoffs. But how many bullets can you dodge down the road, right? It's going to happen. That's my long-winded point here. It's going to happen. And the Blue Jackets are sitting in a precarious spot right now. John Tortorella told me yesterday, he put in Ryan McInnes, he put in Stefan Mateau. And he said, he said that we've got to take a look at what we're doing here, especially with McInnes. He's a centerman. Where is the center position going with this organization? Is Ryan McInnes going to be in the mix? Is he going to be a part of the discussion or is he not? How do we find out with him on a taxi squad all the time? That's legit. And I thought those moves that he made last night by putting Mateau and McInnes in there, I thought they worked. And those guys were hitting guys. They were throwing the body around, and that's what they were there for. If they would have scored a goal, that's a bonus. That They weren't out there to score goals. They were out there to be big and physical and intimidate. I think McInnes can intimidate just by being out there. And I, I thought they did their job. Again, Mateau got in the penalty box. They got a goal on that, but the Blue Jackets survived it, so all is well. But, um, you know, it's how do you how do you manage what's happening, right? So the Blue Jackets are on, on the edge here. They've got to find out a lot of things about their team, but they would rather find out about it while they're winning like they did last night instead of – instead of the uh, – What's the word I'm looking for? Instead of the opposite, not opposite, uh, alternative. That's what it is. Instead of the alternative. Yes, sometimes words elude me. Not often, but it does happen. Blue Jackets are back on the ice in Carolina tomorrow night, 7 o'clock face-off, 6.30. Pre-game coverage starts both on Fox Sports Ohio and on the Blue Jackets radio network. I hope you'll join me on the radio network for that game tomorrow as the Blue Jackets try to make it two in a row against the Hurricanes. That's going to do it for today's edition of CBJ and 30, presented by Tell Ohio Credit Union. Until next time, I'm Bob McElligot saying so long.